Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and let's go back to the acute abdomen. And we left off last time, and I said, let's look at some of the GU causes of acute abdomen. And there's several things I wanted to touch on. One, of course, is the adrenal glands. And here's just a nice example of normal adrenals to make the point that the adrenals do have slight enhancement, nice normal limb size. When you see marked enhancement of the adrenal glands, as in this case, you have to think about the patient being in shock. The patient may be coming into shock, but it's a very classic appearance. In this case, look at this trauma. Look at the rupture of the abdominal wall with bowel herniation. So it's not a surprise this patient's in shock, but look at those dense adrenals. Another trauma patient, thoracic trauma. You can see the pneumothorax, the contusions, very, very bright adrenals. Now, at times, will be the radiologist will be the first person to say, is this patient becoming hypovolemic? Is this patient going into shock? So again, it's a very important finding. Now, in the adrenals, another thing we can see in the acute setting is adrenal hemorrhage. Can be unilateral, most commonly is, can be bilateral, when bilateral can result in adrenal insufficiency, and the presentation often is very vague, from an acute abdomen to myocardial infarction type symptoms to sepsis. Can be due to a number of things. Coumadin is probably most common. Trauma is probably the most common cause we will see in the acute setting of the trauma setting, of course. Then it's usually unilateral, hypercoagulability states or possibilities. Now what you see is you see typically a rounded adrenal or an oval adrenal that's high density on a non-contrast scan and this haziness around it. And again, it's rarely suspected clinically. This article by uh, Sasser, Dodd, and Johnson talks about this. Recognition of adrenal hematomas is complicated by the variable opinion, rather variable appearance of these lesions. And you can see here, here's a post-trauma case. Nice hemorrhage in the right adrenal gland. Left was normal. Here's a more classic, that high-density oval stranding around the adrenal gland. Here's a nice example of bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. And here's unilateral hemorrhage with a massive bleed. This patient presented, they thought it was acute cholecystitis or possibly polynephritis. When you see that large a bleed, you better be suspicious of this underlying tumor. Now, I've seen angiomyolipomas bleed, but you, use, you do see fat. When you see this much blood, you better be thinking about a tumor. This patient had an underlying metastasis from a uh, lung cancer, which was subsequently detected. I've seen it also in primary adrenal cortical carcinomas, but that's pretty rare. Now, in the GU tract, we also talk about polynephritis, and polynephritis is often a clinical diagnosis, the right history, fever, chills, dysuria, microscopic hematuria, pyuria. The thing about it is it's often a difficult diagnosis because the patient's presentation is not classic. Now, on CT, there are a number of findings. On non-contrast, the kidney can look large, and you might see stranding, or you might see nothing. When you give contrast, that's really ideal. The best single phase would be late phase. All the work by Bosniak and Strider nephrogram was on late phase. And things you see is alterations in attenuation typically decreased. Alterations in enhancement decreased. Decreased rate of contrast excretion and perinephric abnormalities. So here's a nice example with patchy low density changes best defined in the left kidney but also in the right kidney. And polynephritis is commonly unilateral, but can be bilateral. Nicely shown again in the coronal views. And all of these images I've shown you are in excretory phase. Another patient, 
early phase. And when you look at the left kidney, you can see the patchy decreased enhancement. Sometimes you can think about infarcts when things are very well defined. There can be multiple patchy zones of decreased enhancement. You also see some perirenal stranding in this case. And here's another image. Shows very nicely the differential appearance left to right kidney on the coronal views with some of the patchy low density zones best defined on the excretory phase imaging. Now, when I speak about the kidney in the acute setting, I always like to make the point that we do so many studies for stone protocols, which is fine. Is there a stone present? Is there not a stone present? Is it obstructing? Is it not obstructing? But you have to remember what a non-contrast scan means. Typically, there's no stone present. But you can miss small tumors, you can miss polynephritis, and you can miss vascular pathology. And let me just show you a few examples. Question here about polynephritis, transplant kidney. Looks probably okay, though maybe it's a bit large, the kidney, but look at the arterial phase imaging. Look at that patchy enhancement. As I go through the images, very, very classic appearance of acute polynephritis. Not a very difficult diagnosis on early phase imaging or on late phase imaging as well. Now, some patients will go on to develop abscess. Now, abscess typically a low-density mass, often with a wall that's enhancing and thickened. You can see thickening of gerota's fascia classically with perinephric extension, not uncommon. Can be single or can be multiple. And here's just a nice example. Now, every once in a while, an abscess can simulate a cystic renal cell carcinoma, but usually the history indeed makes it easy. Nice enhancing rim. You should never confuse this with a cyst. A cyst would never have a thickened wall. And here it is early phase, and here it is late phase. Now, I will admit there is a potential problem con confusing without the right history, potentially, of an abscess. Look at the left kidney. The patient had flank pain. The patient wasn't fever febrile. But you see the low density. Could this be a cystic renal cell carcinoma, necrotic tumor? Indeed it can. This was an abscess. But again, there can be some overlap. So clinical history indeed is important. Often patient age will be younger. We talk about unusual inflammatory things. Xanthogranulomas, polynephritis, classic with a large daghorn stone, right kidney, and not uncommon to have psoas and iliopsoas involvement. Beautiful example. Or this case, most common diabetic, emphyseminous polynephritis. Look at the left kidney. No function. Air is replacing most of the kidney. Classic surgical emergency, most commonly in a diabetic. Now, what about this case? And this is the one where it's amazing what you can miss in a non-contrast CT. I'll give you the left kidney. Look at the right kidney. Not very impressive there or on coronal. But look what happens with contrast. Look at that AV malformation you missed. Very, very impressive indeed. And vascular malformations, which can lead to hematuria, will commonly be missed. Retrospectively, is there a slight bulge in the pelvis? Well, I wouldn't have called it. We didn't call it. But look at what you could miss. And AV malformations are rare lesions, but we are seeing them as a cause of hematuria. So very important to be able to recognize them. Congenital renal uh, AV malformations or fistulae are uncommon, but their incidence may be underestimated because patients are usually asymptomatic. That's a good point. Well, what else in terms of vessels in the acute setting? Renal vein thrombosis. 
Number of causes can even be due to infection, can be due to tumor, of course, nephrotic syndrome, hypercoagulability states. What you see is thrombus in the renal vein. You may see the kidney being enlarged with persistence of the cortical medullary enhancement pattern, thickening of gerotis fascia, and stranding. Very nice example here. Look at the left kidney. On the non-contrast scans, you know the kidney's edematous. You see the persistent and delayed nephrogram left kidney. A very extensive thrombus from the uh, left renal vein to the IVC. We always look for extent. And again, it can be due to a number of causes. Here's another patient who's had a prior right nephrectomy. Look at the thrombus in the uh, left renal vein. Again, venous phase imaging is really ideal for seeing thrombus. Staying in the vascular categories, renal infarction can be due to trauma, can be due to infection, renal vein thrombosis, vasculitis. It can be segmental or it can be global in nature. Most of the segmental can be multiple sites in the kidney. Symptoms range from flank pain to fever to hematuria. And again, very, very classic. Easy to miss on non-contrast CT. When the entire kidney is infarcted, you may only see rim enhancement, the so-called cortical rim sign. And here's just nice examples. Look at the right kidney. The kidney does not show good cortical measure differentiation compared right and left kidney, but also the hypodense zone. And when you look carefully, you actually can see a clot in the patient's renal artery, very nicely shown. This was an embolic phenomena. Beautiful example showing you the clot, very nicely shown. Or this case, multiple infarcts in the left kidney. In this case, it's more extensive. Nearly the entire kidney is involved. You can't see bilateral involvement or unilateral involvement, as in this case. You can see the infarct at times better on later phase imaging. MIP imaging can really show you the distinction between perfusion and lack of perfusion. Or in that case, this patient had also amazing head clot in the patient's atrial appendage, which was probably the source for the emboli, but also had an aberrant origin of the right coronary from the left in an intra-arterial course, which meant this patient would need surgery because this was a malignant configuration. The patient had lots of findings, and we took good care of that patient. What else? Look at this case. Infarcts, fairly extensive. On the one view, it looks global. and the other view, you see perfusion. That's because this patient has a dissection and w had multiple renal arteries, but not all of them were involved. I mentioned the capsule sign, and here's a good example. Patient with aortic aneurysm repair. The, the left renal artery was uh, injured at time of surgery. There was no way of really preserving it. And now there's rim enhancement, and the kidney is basically entirely infarcted. This patient will need a nephrectomy. There's no way of saving this kidney. And here, indeed, is the CT angio showing you the occluded left renal artery. And here's just a few more images showing you those findings. Now, in patients who have renal infarcts, you want to look around because they may also have splenic infarcts. The same process, endocarditis, that can give you infarcts in the kidney, can give you infarcts in the spleen, infarcts in the liver, can lead to infarcts in the bowel. So it's very important to look everywhere in the acute setting. Nice example of splenic infarcts here. And here's the coronal view showing you both the bilateral renal infarcts as well as the splenic infarcts. Now, in the kidney, uh, no talk of the acute abdomen would be complete without speaking about stone disease. Again, looking for obstruction, where is the stone? Is the stone likely to pass 
Are there other stones soon to follow? Common locations of stones are at the UP junction, obstructing there, or the pelvic brim where the ureter crosses the iliac vessels, or the uterovesical junction. So things from this one article by Eisner, what does the clinician need to know? Presence or absence of stones, location, number, diameter, and additional findings. And Eisner does make the point that CT is really good because not only does it enable the detection of stones of all sizes, but its area of examination from above the kidneys to below the bladder base, it enables the evaluation of other urinary and extraurinary abnormalities that may be contributing to symptoms of the acute flank pain, and that might include pilocytic extravasation of contrast. Now, can renal calculi be missed on CT? Well, 99 plus percent of stones can be detected, ranging from calcium-based stones to radiolucent stones like uric acid, xanthine, and cysteine. A bit less than 1% of stones can be missed, which are pure matrix stones or stones composed of protease inhibitor Indivar. You see that in patients being treated with HIV, but it indeed is very rare. And here's some nice examples. Sometimes you're not certain if there's a calcification of a node or a stone. Do a coronal view, nicely showing you the stone in the left ureter here, or a large stack on calculus. Again, those are associated with things like XGP. Look at the size of that stone and multiple stones. This patient will need lithotripsy as a start. You can see the uh, excretion of contrast. It's interesting that the left kidney is not that obstructed despite the presence of what is a stone replacing the entire pelvis and uh, going into the calyces. Now, as we track a bit further down in the acute abdomen, we think about the bladder. We think about things like emphyseminous cystitis, just like emphyseminous cholecystitis or emphyseminous polynephritis, more common in diabetic patients, more common in females. It's a rare clinical entity, not only in diabetics, but in immunocompromised patients. Again, a conservative treatment approach using antibiotics and bladder catheterization is usually successful, but at times patients will need to go to surgery. The bladder can perforate. You can see air within the bladder, in the submucosal zone, in the bladder wall. It can be confused with air in the bladder secondary to catheterization, but when you get this mottled appearance, I don't think there's any confusion. And if you're going to make a mistake, at least suggest the possibility. Don't undercall it. Another example here with air in the bladder wall, very nicely shown. If you're uncertain on the axial, look at coronals or sagittals or this case with all the air in the bladder wall. Very dense artifact from the contrast from the day before, but look at that air in the bladder wall. This was a uh, oncology immunosuppressed patient. Very nice example. Now, other things we can see, fistulae between the bladder and the colon. Most common causes diverticulitis, can be secondary to Crohn's disease, can be secondary to colon cancer or bladder cancer, can cause fever, pelvic pain, number of different findings. Nice example here. You can see it on the axial views. You might think about a bladder cancer, in fact, looking at that one axial view I'm showing you. But Sagio views very nicely showing you the communication, and this was due to diverticulitis. This patient will get surgery. High morbidity, high mortality in these cases. Early detection of fistulae is indeed very critical. If you suspect a fistulae, rectal contrast or contrast place in the bladder can be done looking for communication. PO contrast is just not going to be successful. 
Again, just a very nice example showing you 3D. And here's another case of a bladder to colon fistula, very nicely into the dome of the bladder. Now at times other things we see, we see bladder masses. We do pick up lots of incidental bladder cancers these days. At times they're asymptomatic patients, but other patients present with hematuria, and so you're seeing them in the ER setting. Nice large tumor in this case. Little bit of enhancement on early phase imaging. Positive uh, or filling defect on delayed phase imaging, nicely shown there, or shown in the coronal view. You can see in this case, even a large bladder mass may not cause obstruction. Other things you can see are blood clots. That can be due to hematuria for many reasons, from tumors to infection. At times, blood clots can be hard to distinguish from tumor. Also, in looking at the pelvis, GU tract again, look at the prostate. We've seen a number of cases of prostate abscess. And the female, look at the GYN organs. That indeed can be very important because in pelvic pain or right lower quadrant pain, Things you can see, ovarian torsion, ovarian cyst, ectopic pregnancy, PID, urolithiasis, and then in the male patient, of course, scrotal inflammation can all be things that can be seen. If we look at the female patient, tubo ovarian abscess, you're thinking tubo ovarian abscess, you go into ultrasound, but many times it's not considered. You can see a thick-walled mass in the adnexal location, fluid attenuation, septations, uh, you can see anterior displacement of the mesosalpinx. You may see air bubbles. Beautiful example of a TOA. Classic, younger patient, cystic, fluid in the pelvis. Very nice example. You can see PID involving both anexa, as in this case, right greater than left. Very nicely shown. Now, what can you confuse this with? Here was a patient with pelvic pain and a mass looks like a tubo ovarian abscess. This patient had surgery, this was endometriosis. Endometriosis is a great mimicker. We often don't think about it. It could present with small cystic lesions or large masses, as in this case. Just a very impressive example. Here, a possibility even was an abscess like diverticulitis, but patient's age and everything, at least think about endometriosis. At least mention it if it has a big cystic mass. And again, multiple views of that. So let me conclude then where we started. Is CT in the ER worthwhile? Here's a comment by Jim Thrall. Given current concerns about the increased healthcare costs and radiation exposure related to the use of CT technology, it is critical for physicians to be able to weigh the risk of radiation to patients and cost of the examination against the benefits of CT. But you can see how successful CT is across a range of pathologies, how we change management, how we save lives, and how we improve the, the cost of medicine by making the right diagnosis. And as shown in that article, decreasing patients going to surgery by 25 plus percent. So concluding, CT is a study of choice in many cases of the acute abdomen. When used correctly, it plays a major role in patient management and triage. Challenges often relate to less than optimal studies on non-dedicated examinations when you're evaluating the patients. So it is a challenge, but looking at the clinical history, the patient and CT findings help you put everything together. And with that, I thank you for your attention. And since you'll probably be listening to this talk, if you listen to it when it's posted on Christmas on New Year's Eve, let me wish you, or be the first to wish you, a happy and healthy 2013. And with that, 
great day.